0: As I said this morning, for those that were here would have heard, for those that were trying to listen on the, the internet, points for trying, you may have, may not have got this, um, but I wanted to cram a little uh, series in, just off the back of the baptisms, and um, probably three or four messages, maybe five, we'll see, um, around the local church, because I think it's very important. I think local church is one of the... Most misinterpreted, misunderstood, misappropriated doctrines that there is. Ecclesiology is so important, and ecclesiology is the study of the church. So we want to we want to look at the church. And I made this statement. This is the, the title of the series: "I love my church." And there's one way to look at that. There's the Lord Jesus Christ. When He says that, He says that perfectly. He says it beautifully. He says it beyond measure. When he says he loves his church, he demonstrated, he proved that love. He died for his church. But we want to flip to the other side of the coin and we want to get to us as individuals. And, you know, we do love our church. We should love our church. But the depth of that love varies up and down. As I said this morning, it ebbs and it flows. Things come into our life, distract us a little, whatever it may be. So this morning we looked at, I love my church, but, and this is the things we're going to look at. Every, every uh, message is going to be a but. I love my church, but. So we're going to look at membership. Not tonight, but we will look at church membership. And the title of that message will simply be, I love my church, but I'm not a member. We'll, we'll talk about the church universal, church, church local. This morning we looked at, I love my church, but I'm drifting. And we looked at the warning signs of, of of drifting and how dangerous drifting was. Because if you remember, and I can't personally, I can't remember all the points, but if you remember that the, the gist of the message is said that the danger of drifting is that drifting doesn't take effort. That drifting can happen unconsciously, and drifting will take us further and further. Ultimately, it'll end up in disaster. So you know the warning signs were there for. Di- Uh, for drifting in that if our desire has diminished in number one reading the word and praying now I didn't say frequency I'll repeat that again just to make that point I'm not interested in frequency I don't believe God's interested in frequency either you say that oh that sounds a bit when it comes to reading the word well God wants you to read it every day surely well yes but is that what he's really interested in That's works. That's the Jehovah's Witnesses. He sent us in desire. Is your desire to read the Word of God? So the question was if your desire is diminishing in that, you're drifting. You're drifting. Is your desire to be around God's people diminishing? Now, not frequency, desire. Is it diminishing? You're drifting. You're drifting. Is your desire to witness to the lost and to see people save diminishing? If it is, you're drifting. So we had all these things that were diminishing, pointing us to the fact that we're uh, drifting, and then the kind of final one was the one that was increasing, and that was our desire for the world. If it is, you're drifting. You're drifting. And drifting is dangerous. It's dangerous. It's dangerous to ourselves. And guess what? Dangerous to others. We looked at that also. Now, there is a remedy. Remedies in the Word of God, in the Lord Jesus Christ, abiding in Him, loving Him, examining ourselves like the church at Ephesus had to do because they'd left their first love. They'd drifted a little. So, you know, we can't say we love our church, but we're, we're drifting. And then I said this morning, if you remember, that there would be some that would say, well, I'm not drifting. I'm just stuck stuck, not going forward. Don't particularly think I'm going backwards. I'm just stuck in a rut, and I can't get out of it. I love my church, but I'm stuck in a rut. And sometimes when you're stuck in a rut, you can just be going through the motions, and there's nothing worse. There's nothing worse, because there's no joy in that. There's no joy in it. Now, you know that you're doing it because it's, it's good, in the sight of God but yet there's no joy in it what's going on there we're stuck simply stuck in a rut how do we get out of it well here's here's how we get out of it now, first of all we've got to go to God for help we've got to go to God for help same as the, the drifting thing we've got to go to God for help I don't know how many times we think we can fix it by just up in our Bible reading, up in our programs, up in our, we have to address the issue and we have to get to God. Say, God, I need help in this. I'm stuck. I need your help to move forward. How am I going to move forward? So this is, this is what we're going to look at uh, this, this afternoon and we'll see how long we take. I don't know if it'll be a long message or not. We'll see what the Lord has for us. But the first thing that I want to say to you, here's the first thing that I want to say to you. When it comes to being stuck in a rut, to examining your situation, the same applies for if you're drifting. Uh, if you're stuck in a rut, here's the first thing we have to do. First thing, accept the blame. Accept the blame. It's our fault. It's our fault. Now, we're not good at that. None of us are. None of us are. If you ask Claire, do I like taking the blame for stuff. Generally not. If I can find a scapegoat, I'll find a scapegoat in our house. That's the way it works. But we're not good at putting the fault on ourselves. Easy in others, isn't it? Oh, I know why they're struggling. Oh, I know why they're stuck in a rut. But for ourselves, we've got to put the fault back on ourselves. Here's the first thing. It's not Satan's fault that you're stuck in a rut. Oh, it's the devil made me do it. The devil's oppressed me, so I'm just stuck. At-. No, 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 no. Not the devil's fault. Now, he he may be oppressing, but he cannot make you do anything. God has given you free will and he has protected your free will so that you will exercise your free will. And that's on you. That's on me. You know, Satan gets a bad rap at times. I've said this before. I'm not here to defend him from the pulpit. Absolutely not. He's the great enemy. But how many times have you heard Christians that you know, are stuck in a rut or have drifted or fallen, say, oh, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. Unless you're possessed, that's a different story. And I don't believe you're a born-again believer. But it's not Satan's fault. It's not society's fault. Oh, it's because of the way the world is. It's because of the pressures I have. That's why I am where I am. And that's why I'm stuck in a rut. That's why I'm not moving forward. And I'm not going backwards. because of X, Y, and Z out there it's not society's fault how many times do I hear this do you hear this how many times do I tell myself this it's the pressure I was talking to you this morning about drifting being honest as a pastor it's easy to drift in your walk who am I to blame for that congregation's fault they drain the life out of me (laughs) it's my wife's fault she double drains the life out of me it's the children, it's pressure, it's whatever no, 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 that's me it's me. It's not society's fault. It's not the business of life. Oh, today is much busier than it was. No, I don't think it is. Same old excuses. It's the way things are in the world. That's not keeping you in a rut. The world's not keeping you in a rut. You're keeping yourself in a rut. It's not somebody else's fault. I mean, this is, this is the card we all play as believers. You know, my walk was doing really well until, until Joe Bloggs really offended me and they're a believer and that's it. I'm done now. Not going forward, not going backwards. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Some people say it's my wife, my husband, my friends, whatever. They're dragging me down. They're keeping me from moving on. No, they're not. No, they're not. They may be influencing, but they're not keeping you. It's you. It's us. So we'll blame all these things. All these things. We'll pull out and we'll say, that's why we're stuck in a rut. That's why we're not moving forward. But we've got to put the fault back on ourselves. This is the first, first, first step in getting out of the rut that you're in. Ownership ownership you know with God the first thing in every in in any kind of steps ownership of who we are where we are and what we've done that's what God wants this, you know you've got here because you're here now come to God and ask him to help you so the first thing you've got to do the starting point we want to get out of a rut put the fault back in ourselves then we've got to put faith back in the Saviour. Yeah, turn to John chapter six. Now this is familiar, but I want us to I want us to, <laughs> to hear this. John chapter six. John chapter six and <clears throat> verse sixty-seven. John six and verse sixty-seven. Then Jesus said unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. I mean, they're beautiful words. Where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, followed by that affirmation of his Messiahship. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So here's the, here's the, how do we get out of this rut that we're in, in our walk with God, put the fault on ourselves, realize we are where we are because we are who we are, and then uh, look to the Lord, the Savior, the one who has the words of eternal life. So we're not to look to programs I can't stress this enough. Programmes aren't bad in themselves, in and of themselves. I don't have an issue with that. I do have an issue whenever you go to a a program before you go to the Savior. I I think that's horse before the cart. But we're programmed as human beings to try and fix ourselves with programs. That's what the world does. That's what the world does. Alcoholics Anonymous, whatever it may be. Programmes. Regimes and routines. Nothing wrong with regimes and routines. But for the believer, before we get to putting our faith in that, you know, I'm stuck in a rut. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to embark on a brand new Bible reading plan and that's going to transform my life. Now, it may well do. But the order has to be to Christ first and foremost. To understanding who he is and who you are in him. He is the grace giver The life sustainer. He's the one that holds you in his hand. So, yes, programs down the line, but not until you've got back to putting everything in him and abiding in him. That's a successful Christian life, abiding in Christ. We've got to get it first right. So it's not programs. It's it's not in projects. Some that take my mind off it. No, there's something wrong at a heart level if you're stuck in a rut. So get these things in their order. Again, I'm not saying don't do any of these things. These things are helpful. But not if you haven't dealt with your own responsibility and then understand that Christ is the only one that can get you out of the rut that you're in. You need His grace. Don't rely on people. People are important. And I'm including your pastor in this. People will let you down. I looked at drifting this morning. People will will pull you back in to the stream of life and away from the upstream uh, swim uh, of the sea of your sway. Now it's good to have godly people around you, but I want us to get that Christ is the rock. Christ is the rock. But look at these things. And let's be honest with ourselves. That at times where we've got stuck in a rut in our spiritual life, we've jumped, tried to jumpstart the program, but some of these things to get us going again. Maybe that's just me, but I've been there. I've done it. Relying on, program, on projects, relying on other people to pull me out of the rut. Nothing wrong. But if you're not relying upon Christ first and foremost at, at the top of that pyramid of of help and programs and projects and people, then something's wrong. Something's wrong. And the rut that you're in, you may get out of it for a week, two weeks, a month, whatever, but ultimately you'll fail and you'll fall back into where you were. Why? Because Christ is not at the very centre of what you're doing. Jesus is the rock. You know the hymn, Rock of Ages? There's often hymns that come to my mind quite a lot when I'm pottering about the house. And there's kind of, there must be my inbuilt playlist of of older hymns. But Rock of Ages is always one that comes along. Let me just um, read uh, the words of Rock of Ages Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flow, flowed. Be of sin the double cure, save from wrath and make me pure. Not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy law's commands. Could my zeal no respite know, could my tears forever flow. All for sin could not atone, thou must save and now alone. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. While I draw this fleeting breath, when mine eyes shall close in death, when I soar to worlds unknown, see thee on thy judgment throne. Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Now he said, oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful picture of salvation. This is not just salvation. This is life. Life. Turn to Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. Galatians 3, 3. See, the plan to get us out of a rut is no different really than to get us out of the depths of sin that we're in when we need Christ to save us. It's in him and through him. Galatians 3.3. 3. Paul writes, and he's dealing with those that are pulling people back into legalism. He's dealing with the Judaizers and he's speaking against them. And he says, Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, you're now made perfect by the flesh? By the programs, by the projects, by the people. Paraphrase what Paul's saying. You were saved, not in and of yourselves. There was nothing you could do for that. You surrendered to God. You realized who you were, who God was, what sin was. You threw yourself at his feet. Nothing that you brought, simply to the cross, I cling. That's salvation. Here the writer says, well, why would you ever think that then when you go on in life, you can do things without him and not in the Spirit? You couldn't save yourself. You can't help yourself. The problem is we think we can and then we get upset when it doesn't work. I'm stuck in a rut. I'm going to try and get out of it. Let's try this program. Let's try this Bible reading. Let's try this. And then it works for a while and it falls apart and you're right back where you were and say, what's going on here? What's going on here is you haven't put the faith back in the Savior. You've put it on yourself to get yourself out of the rut that you're in and it never works never works. King David, when he wrote Psalm 51, he's in a rut. He's (laughs) more than a rut. Cries out to the Lord, and then he says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Deals with it, owns it, says, Lord, you need to help me here. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Then I will teach others thy ways. So if we're going to get out of the rut that we're in, We've got to put the fault back in ourselves. We've got to put the faith back in the Savior. You're going to love this alliteration. We've got to put the fire back in our soul. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. What's that bring? It brings a willingness to serve. And I notice the order of these things. It's getting in love again with Christ that fires the fire. It's devotion and love to him that propels our service and our willingness to serve. It's a building block for everything that God has for us. But the order has to be right. We have to put the fault on ourselves. Own up. We have to put the faith back in the Savior. Say to him, I need you each and every hour, each and every day. Without you, I can't do nothing. I am in a rut, Lord. I cannot get out. I need your heart of grace to help me. And when you think about grace and who Christ is, and what he's done, and how he saved you, and how he set you upon a rock, your heart should be filled with thankfulness for the great Redeemer. And then you should want to serve. The desire should start to fire. There should be a willingness to serve. And then there should be this waiting to serve, this availability that is lacking, sadly, within the local church. It's been said many a time. It's not ability, although that does help, depending on what the task is. But it's not that. It's availability. It's being willing to be part of it. But to get to this, you've got to get the other stuff right, because if you just skip to this, is it really a right <coughs> thing? I don't know that it is. I don't know that it is. So we've got to be willing to serve, we've got to be waiting to serve. How does this happen? Psalm 37, verse number 4, we should know it. Delight thyself also in the Lord, he shall give you the desires of thine heart. How do I get out of a rut? Realize we're in a rut. Realize we need the Savior. Cry out to him to fill our heart with desire to serve him, to be willing and to be waiting for whatever he has. gets us out of the rut when was the last time he had a laughing here I still want to sound too Mormonish but when was the last time he had a burning for the work of God and the word of God turn to Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 9 Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 9 Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse number 9. Jeremiah 20 verse 9 says this, Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more his name, but his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. When was the last time the word was in your heart like a burning fire? Now, again, this is not the burning in the bosom that Mormons talk about. I'm talking about this desire and passion for for God. You know, as a preacher, this is something I had to come to terms with of of understanding that whenever I was putting the message together, I could hardly sit in my chair at times where I needed to get out, out, out. But our desire should be that. But it's not, we can't manufacture that fire ourselves. It has to be God. It has to be God to give us that desire to serve, to be waiting and willing to do whatever he wants us to do. So we're going through this process where we're realizing the false is with us. It's not with God. We're putting our faith back in the Savior, put fire back in our soul, put fervency then back in our service. Now we have the joy that comes with the service. Because time is not our friend. We do need fervency more than ever. I mean, the Lord has always been imminent in his return. But now more than ever, as a believer, as a student of Scripture, if you cannot see the signs of the times, you're as blind as blind can be. The Lord is coming. Maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow, maybe ten years. But he's coming. And we need vervency in our service. If we're in a rut, there's no vervency. There's no... There's no righteous seal in where we're at. There's no joy in what we're at. And then how are we going to go about the things that we should go about? But when we get fervency in, there's going to be a joy in sharing the Lord. There's going to be a desire in there in sharing the Lord. There's going to be a desire in seeking the lost. And there's going to be a desire in showing our love. But these are all steps. Steps if we're doing these things without really examining our relationship with God and where we're at with God and our heart's attitude, then these things are a waste of time because there's no spiritual value in them. There's no spiritual value in them. But if we can get fire back in our souls, we can get fervency back into our service, as a church, when we're saying, I love my church, it's been shown in our actions, and in our deeds. Time is, is a gift of God, but, you know, time is, 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 is precious. It's short, it's fleeting. And as a pastor, I'm reminded of this on a weekly basis. Time is not our friend. It's our enemy. The countdown is on. Robert Moffat said this, We'll have all eternity to celebrate our victories. But only one short hour before sunset to win them. Eternity's common and it's eternal. This is temporal. It's it's but a hair's breadth. It's like smoke in the wind. Here and it's gone. We've eternity to celebrate our victories, but only one short hour before sunset to win them. It's our next one, along this process. We have to ask God to help us put the fallen back on our sight. I mean, I can't tell you how much of a danger this is, that we all get stuck in this rut, that we forget this. That we forget this. Our programs, our projects, our holiday Bible clubs, whatever it may be, baptisms, But this is what it's about. This is why we're here, church. We are here to reach the world with the gospel. Why? Turn to Psalm 73. Psalm 73, and verse number 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. Surely they did set them in slippery places. They cast them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terror. Now we can take a spiritual application and think about the lost. We've got to get them in our sight. Their helplessness. They are helpless without the gospel. They're helpless without the gospel. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. They need to be told. We need to tell them. We've got to think about their hopelessness. They have no hope. No hope. Death. No hope. They're heading eternal separation from God. We're the ones that know this. We've been uh, shown truth. We've been saved. We've been redeemed. Praise God! There'll be plenty of time in heaven to praise God. Praise God! We're the redeemed. But what about now? What about now? we're stuck in a rut, we're not going to be about the work of God the way that he wants it. If we're stuck in a rut and there's no joy in our, our service, no joy in our life before the Lord, are the lost firmly in our sights? Because as we think about the lost, by, by nature we can't help but think about ourselves, Right? When I think about the lost, their helplessness, their hopelessness, and their heading, I think about me, and I think about the Lord saving me, that I'm not helpless, I'm not hopeless, and I absolutely know where I'm heading, and I can't wait to go there. But that's not everybody's truth. It's not everybody's truth. So are we desperate to see souls led to the Lord, lives changed? Is that our desire? Our desire? I think if we can go down this process and get to the point where we have the fallen in our sight and everything is fueled by our grace living in Christ, that we will do what God wants us to do, have joy in that and get out of the rut that we're in, that we can get in because we are formulaic people. We follow the same patterns. We do the same things over and over again. That's who we are. But Maybe God wants something different from you. Something more from you. Maybe he wants you to change something. So what are we to do if we're stuck in a rut? We've got to ask God to help us. That's the key. Number one, put the fault back on ourselves. We start by acknowledging we need God's help. The next layer in that is realizing we need God's help because we have got ourselves where we are. It's not God that has forced us into a rut. We have gotten ourselves into a rut. Number two, put the faith back in the Savior. Not in programs, not in projects, not in people. First and foremost, in Him. What am I saying here? Examine your love for Him. Examine your love for Him. And you like the church of Ephesus. Have you drifted? Are you stuck? Because the honest truth is for believers that we should walk in a way that each and every day we love him more. We love him more. There's not a day in our lives where we shouldn't love him more than the day before. Why? Because he poured out more grace in you each and every day. Each and every minute that passes he pours out Grace. So each and every day we should love him more. More. And when we realize that, that should put the fire back in our soul that He is our Lord, He is our God, He is our Savior. That He'll never leave us nor forsake us, that He's compassionate, He's merciful. That He's got a purpose and plan for each one of us. That should put the fervency back in our service. We should be wanting to serve, willing to serve. And obviously, at the end of it, it should put the fallen back on our side. This will get us out of a rut. Because when we have to go forward, this demands that we do something. If you're stuck in a rut, if a car's in a rut, there's only one way to go out of it. Keep spinning the waves, you're not going to get out of it. There has to be some motion. Get yourself out of it, up and away and on. We've fallen in, in this country into this lull of false sense of security where we all fall into these ruts, where, we're, where we don't have the urgency of the hour. And I say we, I mean we. I don't have the fallen in our, in, our, in our sight that we should. I'm ashamed to say that. But I'm honest enough to say it. There's somebody just walked past the window there. Is my heart broken? Because they're going to an eternal hell. Should be. Should be. We've got to get the fallen on our shade. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. You may have had it tough. I feel for you. You're not alone. You may be having it hard. I feel for you. I do. But we're here for him and his work. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Are you stuck in a rut? Not going forward, not going backward? Ask the Lord to help you. Ask the Lord to help you. Put the fault back on yourself. Put your faith back in the Savior, get the fire back in your soul, get the fervency back in your service, and have the fallen firmly in your saint. You know what? If we're in that place, we aren't in a rut. We're not in a rut. We're moving forward in the work of God. Beloved, we need the Lord to help us. Each and every one of us. So easy to drift. And it's so easy to get stuck in a rut. I'm talking to believers here. So easy. We have to guard ourselves. We have to look out for one another and build one another up in the work so that none of us are drifting. It's not legalism. Understand, it's not legalism. This is love. Because the drift is damaging, the rut is damaging. We want to be the church that can honestly say back to the Lord, I love my church. We're not to drift and we're not to get stuck in a rut. But we need honesty amongst us all. So if the Lord's dealing with your heart, if you are drifting, acknowledge it. Do something about it. I understand the the message didn't go out this morning, but I'm going to do a shortened version of it for the warning signs and the remedy. If you're stuck in a rut, think about these things. Go home, spend time with the Lord, cry unto him and say, Lord, I am stuck. I need you to give me the desire of my heart. I need you to give me the joy of my salvation back. I don't know what I'm doing here. And I know, I know God is faithful to answer that cry. I know he is. He doesn't want any of his children drifting or stuck in a rut. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We're saved by grace, yes, uh, but what for? To walk in the works, the good works that He has ordained for us. We can't do that if we're drifting. We can't do that if we're stuck in a rut. So let's ask God to help us. The one who can do all things, who's willing to help if we were but calling Him. Let's pray.